When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm your host, Ryan Key. Hey, I'm your other host, Nick Anbarian. How's it going? It's going. Pretty good, man. It is going. Ryan, don't lie. <laughs> you can be bummed. Tell him what happened. It's a sad story. I don't know if I have a right to be bummed yet because it might still make it. Pre, I'm like preemptively bummed because one of your things though. Well, I wish I had it right now because I was like pra- I was practicing and getting good. So I ordered a cheapy one on Amazon so I could keep practicing, hope, hoping I would get mine back in time. But a cheapy what? For those of you that don't know, we're going on the Halcyon Star Cruiser next week, and I was very much getting prepared to go all in with my cosplay and my brand new badass saber trio lightsaber that I got, and uh, I was in the backyard ripping just spinning ripping <laughs> and it hit the deck and the speaker broke like you know five days after i got it of course and so i sent it my now friend jason that got it for me found it because saber trio they make amazing sabers but they only do them like once a year and then they're gone is the vibe i get so anyways he had one on hand and got it for me and uh he has a friend in texas who was able to service it like right away so i I took it, well, well, I took it to UPS thinking like, I'll overnight it. It's going to suck. You know, it'll be 50, 60 bucks to overnight this to Texas. But it was $180 to overnight it. Oh, what? $180. So I had to ground, I shipped it ground and it got there and he's like, I got it. Well, now there's a winter storm in Texas. (laughs) And he said he may not be able to ship it out until Monday, maybe even. And so it's going to be $180 to get it back if he ships it on Monday. So whether either it makes it or I've, I've spent twice what I spent on the Sabre. Granted, I got the Sabre at a hugely discounted price, which is really cool. But I will pay again what I paid for the Sabre just to ship it back and then some to get it in time if I can get it in time. So I'm pretty, yeah, I'm, I'm not that happy. Preemptively bummed. I'm also still sitting here recording this podcast in my dad's office. It sounds like an echo chamber uh, instead of my recording studio because I'm remodeling a house. And that means not having a house ever, ever again, ever, ever, <laughs> never, because no one will ever come and do anything that you hire them to come do. So I don't have any power in the studio still, so I can't set it up. And you know what, though? I just, I meditated today. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. It's You're going to Star Wars next week, though. We're going to Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to fly on Star Wars. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about um, fun stuff, positive stuff. Let's make a pact to not mention anything breaking or getting trapped in a winter storm for the rest of this hour. Everything works. Every- <laughs> Turns out everything works. I might still get it all. It's Nothing's just, broken. It's just a hassle, you know. We'll see. It'll be good. It'll still be a Star War. All right, we have a guest on the podcast this week because some awesome stuff came out last week. Too late for us to talk about it on last week's podcast, but here we are with Alex Backus, filmmaker, writer, director, Famous for Black Series Rebels podcast and his current beard. 
which is much bigger than the one on uh, the internet. <laughs> yeah. What's up, bud? It's COVID. Still doing that COVID beard thing. Yep. <laughs> What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm stoked to be here. Hell yeah. Finally. I've tried to ha- I've tried to think of some way to get you on for a while, but... I know, man. You can stop. You can stop standing outside my house. <laughs> like yeah. it's good. I'm here. We figured it out. Like we made it happen. You you can go home now, Nick. You you've, you've done I've, it. I've been sneaking into you and Sarah's bedroom every every <laughs> once a week, being like, create something for Star Wars. <laughs> Was that you? Well, I appreciate it. Put down the boombox. Get back in your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the reason you're here is because you co-wrote a cinematic, a short cinematic trailer for a new expansion pack of um, Star Wars The Old Republic. That short is called Disorder. It tells a a little bite of a story which sort of gets you into the world of what this expansion pack offers, essentially, right? Yep. So you you mentioned before we uh, started recording that you wrote the thing and then just talk a little bit more about the process after this, but you kind of handed it off like, okay, here, cool, this is what we're making. And then you didn't see the finished product until basically the rest of the world did, right? Yeah. So I got a call, I want to say early 2021, maybe maybe late 2020, uh, the production company that I was working for at the time on some other stuff. I direct a lot of like commercials for video games and things like that. So I'm kind of already in that space. And I had just finished up working on the story mode for the new Need for Speed game that's coming out this year. And people just kind of know what a big Star Wars fan I am. And I always kind of will, you know, throw a wink and a nod when some, when I hear that something is being done in that space, like obviously it's a very desirable space for people to jump into. And I heard that something might be happening. And I said, Hey, if you need a writer, I know my writing partner and I would be thrilled to be involved in any way I can. I mean, obviously like everybody here, I grew up on the action figures. I grew up on the movies. It's always been a dream of mine to work in that space. So when we got the call to come in with the EA Bioware teams and write this cinematic short kind of as a collective, it was like an instant no-brainer. We were incredibly stoked. So it's like anything, you know, you have a call, you talk about rough ideas, you know, the writers go off, they riff, they work for a week, you send in a draft you get a lot of yays, you get mostly nays, and you kind of keep working away at something as you kind of collaborate with everybody. So yeah, that's it's pretty nerve wracking, but I can tell you that like the experience of working on something like this is as amazing as you would hope it would be. You know, the care and love for all of this stuff uh, across the board, across all the companies is is pretty stellar. And everybody really is just trying to make the most incredible thing they can. And I think it's really reflected in the final piece. So yeah, that, that year is tough when you're waiting to see what it would look like. But you know, when the day comes, you're like, you know, you're, you're like looking at the script, like, yeah, they kept that. Oh, they lost that, but that's okay. Like you're kind of like, it's kind of like a checklist. Like you want to see how close you got to the final thing. Because obviously once I step away with my writing partner, Josh, and some of the other writers, like, it's up to Neil, the director, to make those final decisions. You really do entrust. Now, Neil was in the writing room. Neil was also a writer on the piece. So, like, he knew what we were trying to achieve. But there is a world where this thing gets kind of handed off, and then what you see looks nothing like what you wrote. And you're like, yeah. okay, well, you know, I, we did our best, but it's it's pretty darn close to what we wrote, if not 99.9%. So we were really thrilled to see that it it really was kind of the initial vision of the entire writing team. It was fun. I just want to jump in on something you said. That did you actually mention that the the people that are creating 
the art and, and working on Star Wars that they love Star Wars and they're they're caring. I, yeah, they care was, about the franchise. <laughs> you said that out loud, right? Hot take. <laughs> that it's not just it's not just the like uh, you know mouse money and nobody cares and that just whatever makes the most money we don't care about Star Wars. That's not the attitude. That's really fascinating. No, can <laughs> confirm everybody cares. Interesting. <laughs> it's weird because I read on the internet that Kathleen Kennedy hates Star Wars and the I fans. I did too. I did too. <laughs> and that she's actually trying to destroy our childhood. So that's interesting. Yeah, I I read that the the sequel trilogy was a direct attack on <laughs> on your way of life <laughs> i mean i did to be fair our first pitch was uh star wars the old republic destroyer of childhoods was the original <laughs> pitch for the short it's a great title <laughs> that would have been huge they were like we really like this first word destroyer let's go with that one <laughs> I, I mean you know obviously like i can't speak to everybody's experience online obviously i've had a you know, Nick has been a guest on the show. I'm sure some of your listeners are listeners of Black Series Rebels. Like, I've been very plugged into the fan community for a very long time. And I would just encourage anybody that's reading that stuff, just remember it's not real. <laughs> and it's yeah. all being digitally filtered to you through some sort of weird robot algorithm that thinks what you want to hear is what you want to hear and feeds that. So, Dude, I heard what you just did. You're talking about a bad robot. See, that's the conspiracy. <laughs> so, because of JJ, and then on the other end, Kathleen. How much is JJ paying you? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, real quick, though, we should go back and just tell the folks how the two of you met, Nick and Alex. How did we meet, Nick? I feel like maybe we released a pin. Yeah. And you commented, like, this pin's sick. And I saw Nick Bayside, and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, that dude's in Bayside. <laughs> I freaked out. <laughs> I mean, it was a couple of years. I definitely lived in California already. I think I just started following your account and listening to the pod, and we just started being internet friends, and uh, the rest is history. Now I watch movies in your backyard every once in a while. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are robot algorithm buds. Yeah, yeah. yeah we are. The, the internet, <laughs> see, it works sometimes. It brought buddies together. I mean, I don't know about the three of you, but I found that, like, there's also, like, a really kind of warm and welcoming pocket of people in fandom that are also kind of from kind of DIY punk rock backgrounds that kind of yeah. can like, can, like there's something about star Wars that really speaks to that mentality. I mean, even from like a base level narrative perspective, right? Like you relate to being the underdog trying to take on this big system. And there's something about like-minded individuals like that. I think we found I know I found a lot of folks like Nick through Star Wars fandom that I'm like, oh, it's not just Star Wars we have in common. We like a lot of the same auteur directors. We like obviously a lot of the same music. So for me, that's one of my favorite things about fandom is actually finding people that like other stuff besides Star Wars. And then you realize, oh, there's all this connective tissue from this kind of lifestyle choice which is yeah. loving this film franchise. Yeah, and community is, you know, overall kind of where we got together. And and kind of like what you're saying is like, I really do like that connective tissue where it's, oh, you're really passionate about Star Wars. And the more you get to know someone and you find out what else they're passionate about, you're like, wait a minute, I'm really seeing what this other person is seeing about this director, this movie, this band, whatever it is. And you, totally. you kind of tap into that joy where you get excited that someone's excited about something else. And then you're like, wait, now I'm excited. This is awesome. 
So right. it's just a good, like feeding a good positive community. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Star Wars community is so massive that it houses both the dark side and the light. <laughs> yeah. So at least we're all on the, the positive side where we, we could connect through not only Star Wars, but then everything else we have in common. And, totally. and it's something that I hadn't had in my adult life until I moved to California. And, and Alex for sure has been a part of that. I think we met pretty early on in me moving here. And uh, it's been great. Like I said, now we do movie nights in his backyard. It's been great. What do we do? Batman, <laughs> Tim Burton's Batman, right? Yeah, we did yeah. that. Yeah, for nice. sure. <laughs> that was That's the last one. one we did. That's a good one. So let's talk about the cinematic short a little bit. I, I, I have trouble calling it a cinematic for some reason, maybe because I'm not a gamer so much. It's a gaming term. It's like a gamer it's, term. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. differentiates it from gameplay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, before we go any further, let's uh, do a little stolen plans here. What have you done with those plans? Amazing bumper, though. Amazing bumper. <laughs> Love it. Solid bumper. If we have nothing else, we have good bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars The Old Republic is a game that's over 10 years old now. It being a PC game, it works on the idea of expansion packs that can give a game a practically infinite life. So it's it's an MMORPG, so a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Role-playing games going back to, you know, like turn-based dice rolling kind of shit. It's you know the I mean? computer version of going to the Star Wars hotel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it is now on the eighth expansion pack, this Legacy of the Sith pack. And um, a week today, as of this recording, is when it dropped. So your trailer and the expansion pack dropped on the same day, right? Yes. On February 15th. Dude, crazy. That's so. Did you get a chance to play this before it dropped, or did you get everything just like the rest of the public once you finished writing? So I don't know how much I can talk about how the hamburger is made, but I can say that I did not play anything before we we wrote that piece. So we had sort of like, I would call it maybe a skeleton of ideas of like narrative beats that we had to hit. They were like, Word. you got to hit these things because it ties directly into what we're trying to do with this expansion. But we encourage you to go off and tell the story that you want to tell and we will build from there. So basically, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was a little bit of both. It was, we we are able to ask questions of the studio they can provide, but in the gaming industry, so much is always in flux. Like it's always changing. It's always being reworked because there are, you know, 15 pillars of things that go into making a game the best it can be, right? Like we might come up with a story thing that we really love. And then the person whose job it is to fully come up with the mechanics of how you play could be like, ah, you can't do that because they're going to think that they could then go do that in the game and it could become a thing. So it's, it's, it's kind of a give and take to answer your question. I knew rough structure based off calls with the, kind of everybody in charge over at BioWare and Lucasfilm Games. And then we would go off and kind of present and it would just kind of go through the process of coming back with feedback. And then we just kind of adjusted till we got to a place where Neil, the the lead writer and director was like, this is it. I'm stoked. We're ready to head into production. That's basically the process. It seems like on some level, it seems like a nightmare of a writing process, having sort of like um, structure of, of what they need out of you. But they can't tell you everything. And then almost like this blind feedback kind of situation. But it also, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, every, everybody's cool. Story group, everybody from top to bottom is cool. So I imagine that 
that makes it all work. But I don't know. It, it seems really challenging. Uh, you mentioned something on an earlier episode of your show, forgive me, but there was something along the lines of like, I make music for me. And then yeah. if the listeners of my band or my audience, they're stoked on it. Awesome. But first and foremost, like the art that I create is for me. And yeah. then we'll figure out what other people think. Honestly, like it sounds cheesy, but like the first conversation we all had was if we got one shot to work on this franchise, like what would we want to see? Mm-hmm. And you just like throw it up on the board. It's like, what would make, what would make my inner fan happy? And there's like direct stuff. Like I wrote on that thing. I always thought it would be really cool if someone disarmed a lightsaber and force pulled it back and then killed them with like their own saber. I was like, I think that'd be really cool. I don't think I've ever seen that. So it like went up on the board, like little things like that. Like Josh, my writing partner was like, he always wanted to see a lightsaber, like land in the ground and like go all the way through it. That didn't make it. in. (laughs) We were like, could we do some cool things where it like kind of built a bubble of lava, like weird things like that. You just kind of start pleasing your inner fan. And then from there, it's like, great. We have all these fun things we want to do now what's the story we really want to tell for me? Like I'm all about that. I'm all about the characters. I'm all about wanting the audience to feel the feeling that I'm trying to elicit in them. You know, for me, when I was younger watching a movie like star Wars or empire strikes back, I love lightsabers. I love blasters. I love the myth and the mythology, but for me, the stuff that always resonated with me was like Luke looking out over the suns, right? Like looking out over the twin suns. Those are like movie moments that I think are like chef's kiss. (laughs) They just make me feel a thing that like, I don't particularly get to feel in my everyday life. So when we were working on this, it was all about, we have six to seven minutes. How can we tell something that's impactful that everybody will care by the end of it. And, you know, I hope, hopefully we achieved that. I feel like we did, but that for me was the big challenge when it's kind of sitting down, it was less like, Oh no, we can't do this or we can't do that. And more just like, how do we please ourselves? Because if we make something we love, we're confident other people will love it too. Cause you can only please yourself in that process. Like I would assume, right. If you went into the recording studio and you're like, I'm going to make a song that everyone's going to love <laughs> nine times out of 10. It's like when one person doesn't like it, you're like, ah, oh, well, that was a waste of my time. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, that's what I love about like making art for you and telling stories for you. It, it, if you if your goal is to make yourself happy, you'd be surprised how often you're successful. That's why, mm-hmm. I mean, hot take alert. That's why I think the last Jedi is so good because it is in all of its incredible quirks and charm and some stuff is perfect. Some stuff for me, I'm like, it's, I would have maybe done that differently, but it doesn't matter because I know that like Ryan did exactly what he wanted to do. And that is what makes movies like that special to me. So mm-hmm. that's really what it's all about for me. It's, it's just telling a story that makes me happy as an audience member. It's very Billy Madison. Like I never saw a blue duck, so I want. So I call her the, the duck blue. Yeah, yeah. It's what you want. It's what you wanted to see. So you put it up exactly. on the wall. I want to see a blue duck. Exactly. <laughs> Was there anything? Um, I know you can't really get into what 
the answer specifically would be, but was there anything on that list that made it to Lucasfilm and they were like, no, 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 no. You don't have to say what it is, but. I won't say what it is, but I was was stoked. (laughs) We wrote a line of dialogue. I can't remember if it was me or Josh or Neil or somebody, but we wrote a line of dialogue that we were like, this is so sick. We're like, oh, this is such a good line of dialogue. Like, I feel so good about this. And the note back was just, can't use tagline for upcoming project. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, gotcha. I was like, oh. <laughs> so I, don't, I can't say what it is, but it was a very cool moment of like, oh, that's neat. Like, mm-hmm. we're doing something right because somebody yeah. out there thought the same way. So that, that probably was the biggest one for me. Yeah. Dude. <sighs> You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. That is like um, in in the handful of Star Wars ideas that I have in my mind that we've talked about amongst dudes here on the podcast. Like that's my, that'll do, I'm happy and I can die now threshold at the bottom where if I wrote this entire story, I handed it off and they were like, good job, but that's already being developed because somebody else had basically had that same idea. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. I've done it. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Well, it does. You I mean you're right? Like it does add a level of like, um, like validation. Yeah, mm. it's totally validating. Like it wasn't infuriating at all. It was like, oh, sick. Yes. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like we're all, and that's kind of what I mean by this. Like everybody loves it. Like we probably toiled over that one line for seven hours. Yeah. And then just to be told we're already doing that, it doesn't make you mad. It makes you stoked. You're like, okay, cool. Well. Clearly on the right wavelength. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's only only so many possibilities of things that you can write. There are infinite creative choices, but when all is said and done, you can only do so much with our minds. And the fact that I was on that wavelength felt good. You know, <laughs> all of us were really excited about that for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the story itself. Obviously, you can't reveal much, but let's talk about what's in this trailer. If you haven't watched it yet, I encourage you to pause right now, listener. Go watch this six and a half minute cinematic trailer. Come back and go from here. There are a couple characters that you created, you and your writing partner, right? Mm -hmm. And then the return of a well-loved, familiar character from this era. So Sahar is the name of a Twi'lek padawan right at this point not a full jedi Mm -hmm. and then that padawan's jedi master is named jedi master or jedi master or yeah and then the uh the big bad who makes an appearance here is daddy malgus daddy malgus (laughs) darth malgus the infamous darth daddy malgus (laughs) or as he's affectionately known (laughs) on the internet as daddy malgus (laughs) so the uh I guess like the overarching, the the big moment in the thing is they're in a place that it's a giant machine. There's a holocron type thing, which in this era is not called a holocron. It's called a, um, the hell is it called at this point in the old Republic? I mean, we always call it, we call it a holocron in the script. Yeah. yeah Wasn't they, it data, datacron? Yeah. They called it I something feel else. I feel like it was something info, infocron, datacron, something yeah. like that. Point being, there's something going on with this machine and the Padawan is torn. The Padawan also has a purple lightsaber, by the way, which is sick. But Darth Malgus, he, he reveals to this Padawan amidst all the shit going down that the machine that her master then destroys was meant to find all sort of Force-sensitive beings in the universe, in the galaxy, that the Jedi didn't choose. It leaves it pretty open-ended as to why and so on, and I, I assume that's in the gameplay of this expansion pack. But the implications of it are massive. So what can you say about the initial idea, the spark for that? How much was your own? How much was given to you by the game developers? And how you see it 
in a spoiler-free way? <laughs> sure. I think I'll do my best to answer your question in a way that it feels satisfying without potentially getting me a letter. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in an, in an NDA-esque yeah, way. Uh, yes. here's, here's what I would say. The, uh, the, the machine itself was directly from the game devs. Early on, that was not a part of the story. That was kind of introduced later. We knew that Daddy Malgus was going to be there for a specific purpose, which was to kind of introduce this idea of questioning the dogmatic philosophies of both the Jedi and the Sith, right? Like if there was one like simple little line on the title page of the script, it would be like, is it good to subscribe to these types of philosophies full stop? Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and I won't say what I think the answer is. I think it's fun for fans to kind of poke around those philosophies and figure it out for themselves. But it was less about going out and finding the people the Jedi didn't choose. And it's more about think of all of the people that don't get that moment. And that's just like when I'm telling a story, I like to kind of bring it back to real world scenario that I can relate to. Like think of how many people we know that are struggling with something that won't get a chance to break out of that. Mm -hmm. Like the systems in place are not designed to lift everybody up. They are there to help, but they sometimes can have blind spots. They can miss crucial things about culture, about our society. So for me, and I know the the director, Neil, and just collectively, we were really trying to say what happens if that closed-minded point of view, you like, you miss one thing. Like what happens if you just make a quick split that second decision based off of a philosophy that you might not even fully understand yourself? Think of the damage that could potentially cause. Like, I think that that's something we can all kind of relate to, especially now. Like what happens when one person thinks they have the right answer and they make a choice that could affect someone's life for the rest of their life. And that, that to me was the interesting question there is like, what happens when your dogma leads you down a path and you don't even know that you're, you're making a choice that might be damaging. We were talking about one of my favorite moments is, well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view, Mm -hmm. right? Like that to me is like such a pillar of like Star Wars philosophy, if not the pillar of Star Wars philosophy, which is like, which point of view do you line up with? Because no matter what, whatever side you land on, that's how you're going to view the lens in which these stories are kind of presented to you. So it was really about kind of asking that simple question, which is like, from what point of view was this Sahar character, you know, from the Jedi's point of view, it was, we saved this young Padawan from a from a potentially an orphanage of not being able to find their way in the galaxy. From her point of view, it's my brother was right there Mm -hmm. and you didn't even give him the time of day. So it would be really heartbreaking to find out that someone you thought always had your best interest at heart and does have your best interest at heart. Like that's really important. Like Jedi Master Or does have her best interest, but like if you just tweak one little thought, like Malgus puts that little crumb that little seed of doubt in her mind. And you see how quickly the dominoes fall for Sahara. So that was kind of, that was the impetus. I don't know if that answers your question, but that was the idea. Yeah. And it is timeless, I think, in a Star Wars sense of just choice. 
you know, and like what someone's choice, the the implications for the entire galaxy. Yes. Like, like that's basically the story of Star Wars between Palpatine and Anakin, you know, like the Star Wars we know in the cinematic Star Wars all has to do with Palpatine and Anakin, basically, and yeah. choices that they made. So you break that down to like microcosm of like other Star Wars stories. It's, it's always about choice. Exactly. Just because I'm not super familiar with the Old Republic and the previous, you know, seven expansions as well. Has Daddy Malgus always been on this path of like eventual betrayal or was it something that happened in the writer's room? I guess is my question. If you're not allowed to say, that's fine. But did you guys decide, you know what happens to Darth Malgus now? He's going to turn and have this epic line. This is what the Jedi and Sith have done to maintain control or whatever the exact line was, which is epic, by the way. Oh, thank you. So yeah, I don't, that's my question, I guess, is did you guys create his turn? No, that that was very much like a directive. Like that okay. was very clear. Like this is the directive of this character. Like how would you make that that directive is clear? Like what narratively yeah. can you do so that people will understand that this is now the direction in which this character is moving? To answer your question about Malgus, he has a actually really fascinating backstory when you kind of like mm-hmm. poke at it. I read it. a little bit about it. Yeah, it's it's he's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Like he is a, like, he's one of those, he's got a little bit of that Kylo Ren quality where it's like, I can't show any ounce of weakness. I'm going to murder everyone in my life so that, you know, yeah. he's very much a, you know, your trouble when you're like the Sith are soft. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you're like, yeah. he's like Colin Trevorrow's Kylo Ren. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I had never read, <laughs> I never read Trevorrow's script, but I don't know, but that's kind of. It's dark as hell, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's no redemption. <laughs> no redemption and Ray kills Kylo. It's dark. I mean, <laughs> he did kill a whole school and <laughs> he did kill cool. his dad. Like, <laughs> allegedly. I mean, from a certain point of view, I think. Um, <laughs> allegedly. But no, that was very much a, like, that was a directive. Like, I can't take any credit for that, that specific direction of that character. But like. I think specifically the line you referring to is like, this is how the Jedi and the Sith maintain control by choosing mm-hmm. who is worthy. That's a fundamental philosophy that's just true. I mean, the entire third act of the Phantom Menace is basically like, this kid's too old and he's got too much baggage, not interested. Whoops. Yeah. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily the way to go. <laughs> like, oops, I don't know. Okay, I got Cut bad me. news. <laughs> Uh-oh. Like, we all know how that turns out. <laughs> they could have left that one alone. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's what makes Star Wars so fun is that like if you just change the like if we use a speaker as an analogy, like if you just up the bass here and turn the treble down here and kind of you can just really mess with the tones in such an interesting way. And it still sounds like Star Wars. So that's what I think is really fun about it. That's a great analogy. What uh, what choices are you able to talk about that you made character wise, namely the names of the (laughs) Jedi lightsaber colors like things like that like what what could you see what choices did you make on paper that wound up either in the script or or visual well we thought it would be awesome to name a jedi josh and i after our wives Mm -hmm. my wife's name is sarah without an h so we Mm -hmm. just kind of like we pulled a little uh wordle on it and made it sahar (laughs) and made it sound more star wars and then josh's wife's name is katie and her last name is katine Mm. So basically it was just a little homage yeah. uh, to our it's wives. It's very and Star it, Wars. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do in that process was like 
coming up with Star Wars names is the best. <laughs> you can just take two random syllables and do a little like and just throw in a little apostrophe somewhere yeah. and it'll sound super Star Wars. In regards to the lightsaber, it's funny. Star Wars Explained, uh, Alex asked me, he just shot me a text randomly and he asked me and I was like, I wish I had a better answer, but it really was as simple as like, we thought purple, a purple glow would look really beautiful on green skin. That was just mm-hmm. Neil, the director, was like, this, these are the colors I want. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Purple is just fun. We wanted just it to not be like your traditional. I think originally it was blue. Mm-hmm. We even thought maybe green on green would look like kind of like that's certainly a choice. That's certainly an aesthetic. But yeah, no, it's just we thought purple would look really good on green skin. And that's one of those things that gets approved all down the line and that's so out of our control so yeah, i yeah. can't take too much credit for lightsaber colors and things like that that's all neil we write it in the script it stayed the way that it was but it was all other people kind of guiding us in that extent mm-hmm. so do you have any idea how similar or dissimilar this writing process is to other star wars properties or other star wars media types i mean i would say probably from an approval i guess if like the question was like what would it be I mean, obviously writing on this, I'm not JJ Abrams. So like JJ Abrams probably kind of can go in there, have a real conversation with whoever they're working on. He can pretty much make his case and they say yes or no. I think probably what was different here is that I I think I'm a little bit more of a hired gun Mm -hmm. in the sense that like I can put my personal touch and flavor in there and tell the story that we all want to tell and we can work together to achieve that. But when all is said and done, like it's the game developers game, it's those companies, Lucasfilm, they all have final say over what I do. My, my goal really is to like find something that delights me, that pleases them and delights them too. So it's, 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 it's it's more collaborative than I would assume it probably needs to be on some of those higher tiered projects. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure on the Mandalorian, there's definitely like, a process to getting things approved and locked, but I'm sure it's much more like Favreau and Filoni making those final decisions. And then everybody kind of saying, good job. I think those creatives are very entrusted to the stories that they're telling. They have to do a whole comic spinoff to explain something that Favreau and Filoni just changed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it drives people nuts, but that's uh, when you're at the level of like a Favreau or Dave Filoni, that's just, you know, you can see it in their work. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of how it goes for those guys, I would assume. The way you're describing it seems similar-ish to me to something like uh, the writers on The Clone Wars or The Bad Batch. Like most of the animated stuff where you have a handful of like staff writers. I know Lucasfilm doesn't, I, I don't know, I assume Lucasfilm doesn't do things exactly the way a staff writer might on like NCIS or some mm-hmm. crap like that. But it seems like with Clone Wars, for example, you've got story by George Lucas and Dave Filoni written by so-and-so. They write the screenplay or the teleplay. They are the staff writer, so to speak. But ultimately, the story is kind of handed down or there's some collaborative process, but there is that sort of uh, higher level oversight. And you might have 20 writers on a, a season or 100 writers on a whole series, and you would be one of those folks in this analogy, right? Yeah. I would be making an assumption, but I would assume that like a lot of those story by credits are kind of baked in before the show even starts because it's, it's characters based off of 
other characters that were created in other IP. So right, right. my guess would be is that the way that a show like The Bad Batch works, and don't quote me on this, but it's just just an assumption that like there's a showrunner and there's like a story editor, and those two folks kind of like reside over the writer's room. And it's like, this is the story we're going to tell over 10 episodes. This is going to happen in this. They all outline it and work it out together. And then it's like, all right, Jimmy, you go, you go do episodes one and six. All right, Tanya, you're going to do this one. You know what I mean? So it's, it's probably like we all come together. We decide the ingredients we're going to use to make our delicious meal. And then we all go off and into our respective parts of the kitchen and cook and put it all together. So that's how I would assume that process works. I could be wrong, but I think it, it probably depends too from show to show. Like I'm pretty sure book of Boba Fett, weren't all of those written by John Favreau. He and Filoni wrote episode six, but the rest were all Favreau. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, basically like there isn't a room on that. That's just Favreau doing his thing. So I think it really just depends project to project, but yeah, that's how I would assume that like, my if you had to compare what happened with me to like working on some of the higher end like narrative IP like that, the closest thing you could probably get is like a writer's room for like an animated show or a live action show and then seeing how that whole team kind of collaborates together. It's interesting. Ryan, I, I imagine you have some insight or like you're you're hearing some similarities here to your experience writing writing that comic for Marvel, right? You know, kind of the guide rails. Hundred percent whatnot. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there was definitely training wheels on granted. It was my first time ever doing something like that, but, but they were super, super involved in every single choice. And, you know, every, uh, every revision that I made came, got notes and in, in, until the, the very, very end. So they were, they were very hands-on, you know, I learned, I learned really early on in the process. You're not, you don't just like write it and turn it in and they go, this is great. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, not that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be kind of lame if that's how it went. Too. For sure, like, for sure. I uh, it was such a cool learning experience because I had to go through and and you know uh, address all of these notes and make changes throughout the process constantly. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's take this opportunity with you here. We'll first talk about sort of like the importance, the weight, the significance of the Old Republic era, especially because we have this new content with the High Republic, which is leading to a feature film. Uh, but it's it's hard to overstate how significant the old Republic has been, especially within the gaming community and fans of the expanded universe, a lot of stuff that's now legends. So did you spend a lot of time as a gamer in those games prior to being a writer on this? And if so, from that perspective, talk about how important and significant this whole thing is and or as it relates to your story that you've written. Give, give the folks the pitch if they're, not, if they're unfamiliar. So the the answer is no, I actually didn't play a lot of the Old Republic games. It's weird. I work in the gaming space, but I wouldn't call myself like super plugged into whatever's happening in gaming culture and gaming communities at any given time. Like I play games. I like them. 
I think they're fun, but I think my strength is that I don't approach it as like a gamer super fan. Like, like mm-hmm. I kind of was saying when we, when we got brought in for this, it was all about philosophy and story for me and characters. I didn't, I didn't get too bogged down in kind of all of the elements that have been placed before me because I knew that somebody would come in and just kind of, if I had tunnel vision on the wrong thing or the writer's room wasn't doing the right thing, we would get adjusted. There are people there that will adjust us in the right way. You almost want to be a little freer. You don't want to be so kind of stuck in everything. Just better stuff will come out. And then to answer your question for me, when I think of star Wars, the old Republic, I think about those cinematics. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been doing them for 10 years. They are iconic. Like they are, they really are like iconic star Wars content. Like there are people that live for that new old Republic cinematic to come out. And I knew what a big deal it was, but I didn't understand the pressure until it was like, Oh, I'm going to try and make something as good as these things that people have been basically putting up as the gold standard for modern star Wars for 10 years. Like that's a lot of pressure. There are star Wars fans out there. They're like, no, this is my star Wars. Like yeah. these cinematics are what I, I want my star Wars to feel like. And I think that's a very silly thing to say, like my star Wars, cause I think doesn't belong to anyone anymore. It's just now a culture and a community. So for me, it was more about to be involved in the pedigree that is, and like the lineage of those great cinematics, like that was really thrilling and exciting for me. It's interesting. You, you talk about how people see this era as like their Star Wars specifically. And you had kind of a similar reaction to what we would like, no Star Wars is for everyone, but this game format kind of encourages the player to create their own Star Wars. Totally. So that does provide a little insight into how people could get so toxic when they, because they take such ownership of that gameplay and that character that they've created and how they weave that into this part of the world. And then if it's all of a sudden legends now or something, I, I could see how there would be an emotional reaction. I know? mean, I think that, I think that can be said about all of pop culture, right? Yeah. Especially now in this like kind of post internet, social media fandom as a monetized community, what we're all battling against, and I'm sure you guys can relate to in the music space is like, you're trying to make people feel how they felt the first time something that changed their life entered their life. Yeah. Like think it like, just like, think about that. Like Nick, I can't imagine how, like when you guys walk into a studio and you're like, man, we just got to make a song that rips like the first yeah. time somebody ever listened to Bayside, you know, yeah. like, like the pressure of that. Imagine trying to make a Marvel movie that makes somebody feel the way they first felt when they opened a comic book for the first time. Yeah. It's hard and it's not It's essentially impossible. It's essentially impossible. You're asking people's chemistry to line up with chemistry that it is impossible to recreate to be a child, to be, to have your eyes wide as like your grandmother's putting on empire strikes back for the first time. Like I talked about this on uh, our podcast when we just did a breakdown of the empire strikes back. Cause it's, you know, I'm sure a lot of people here would agree. It's my favorite star Wars movie. But like when I think of empire strikes back, I think of scotch and soda and the smell of cigarettes mm-hmm. <laughs> coming from the kitchen in Tucson, Arizona on this like ugly burgundy carpet that smelled like cigarettes, just like watching <laughs> empire strikes back for the first time. And what we're asking as a fandom 
for these creatives to do is to give us that same feeling. And I can understand where like the resistance comes from people because they're not, if you're not feeling that way, I just, I don't think that that's Star Wars or Marvels or Jurassic Parks or anybody. I don't think anybody's going to do that for you. No, you have to take a step back and kind of embrace the fact that like every time you engage with whatever fandom you're into, your chemistry dictates how you engage with it. If you are open to ideas and you are open to new things, you're probably going to like it. If you're Mm -hmm. going into something ready to be like, not going to like it as much as the first time I watched Star Wars, you're probably not going to like it. It really does depend on how you engage with it. So for me, when I think about everybody searching, like chasing the dragon of like, having something make me feel the way I felt the first time I engaged with it. I think it's a fool's errand. I just don't think it can be done. I think you need to kind of like, instead of like looking back and going like, why isn't this plant growing? It's like, well, you haven't been watering it. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you were just like, I love my new plant. Isn't my new plant cool. And then you went off and just went, why isn't this plant pretty for 20 years? It's like, you gotta, you gotta kind of, you gotta make an effort to kind of explore new things. Like I think, if you want to love Star Wars more than you ever love Star Wars, go watch a Kurosawa film. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you if you really want to like love the things that you love, go try other stuff. It's it's like I know it's like kind of counterintuitive, but that's always for me. Like I didn't realize how much I loved Star Wars until I went out and really developed a love of cinema. Yeah, and I was like, oh, now I see why I loved. It's it speaks to a very specific time in my life feeling the magic of these movies, this light kind of bouncing off my face. So for me, I would just encourage anyone that feels like angry or toxic about star Wars. It's like, that's a, that's really a you problem. It's yeah. not a, it's not a star Wars problem. Nick hit him with the quote. <laughs> I think I said it on the, when we were, I was on BSR the other week, imagine liking the things that you like. <laughs> it's, it's it's so you have to be open to it and and you know maybe our our listeners have been like yeah nick we know but it, it's such a it like you're saying it's not a star wars problem it's a you problem and i know that we're all getting up there in age and a lot of people are but like that might like star wars or at least listen to this podcast but things aren't going to hit you the way they did when you were a kid and you have to put in some effort you can still yeah. feel that joy it just takes effort now it's not seeing star Wars for the first time when you were three and you're never going to feel that way again, but it's not that star Wars or music or whatever can't make you happy. It's, it just takes a little bit more effort, but it's worth it. And when you say effort, it's not like, you know, you have to dig a trench along your fence in your backyard effort. It's not (laughs) like you have to work 40 hours a week at a job. You hate to enjoy star Wars. You just literally have to think about your own perspective and go, Oh, maybe it's not going to be the same because I'm not, 10 years old. Maybe I'm thinking about this too hard. I'll just watch it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) right there, you might, you might be literally breaking down the problem in real time, right? It's already like when you were 10 years old, you weren't like, huh, 
well, do I like this as much as the other thing? Like what I liked three weeks ago. Like when you're a kid, right. time is such not is not a it's like a blob of reality. Yeah, yeah. Like when you're a kid, right? It's like I thought when I was a kid that I loved Star Wars my entire childhood. I bet I liked it for like three weeks, and then I was like wearing a Mighty Ducks jersey, rollerblading <laughs> yeah. in a circle, yes. pretending to be a hockey player, right? But in my mind, 100%. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when you're a kid, you like shit every every two weeks. It changes. <laughs> yeah. So very rarely, and I don't want to speak i'm sure everybody's childhoods are different but really though that's kind of the i don't have children but the friends in my life that are starting to have kids now their kids are into something different every two weeks like yeah. it was toy story two weeks ago now it's Encanto, and then it's back to frozen and then we go back to Encanto. <laughs> like that that for me is like that's why when you're a kid, the stuff is so magical. Cause you're just kind of like, Oh, shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny. It's thing. all brand new. Yep, yeah. It's all brand new. Yeah. Nothing's brand new anymore. Unfortunately, the galactic star cruiser is brand new. <laughs> you're damn right. It is. Oh yeah. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to not shit all over it after we go have so much fun on it because we're going to enjoy the thing that we enjoy. I mean, it looks rad. Yeah. I can't wait to get paid a hundred thousand dollars by Disney for being a shill and talking about how great it is, even though it totally sucks. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we are. Sorry, I'm on this today. My dad used to say this thing when I was uh, younger. If you knew how little people were thinking about you, <laughs> you'd be less, <laughs> you'd be way less upset about what happened, right? He's like, you're spending, yeah. I'm sure it was probably like, I was mad about a friend or something, whatever, something really low stakes. And he's like, they're not even thinking about you right now. <laughs> and you've, you're spending all your time behaving as if like they did something to offend you or, or slight you in some kind of way. And it's like, that's just not the case. Yeah. You just can, you can create your own reality. You can just go, all right, whatever. I'm, I'm over it. And trust me, I'm, I'm a 35 year old man who struggles with that principle still. Like that is yeah. not, that is very much easier said than done. And that's the way I always choose to engage in all pop culture that I take in some stuff. I love some stuff I, I watch and I'm so offended by how bad it is, but I, I would never like let it bother me for more than an hour. I'd yeah. get over it, you know? Things would be a lot better if more people took that approach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into this. Moving on. Exactly. Back to Mighty Ducks 2, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Go watch Mighty Ducks 2, man. <laughs> that should be the code. Like, go watch Mighty Ducks 2 instead of touch grass. Hey, man, go watch Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. One last question before we start to wrap up. Do you have a favorite part? I assume you do of, um, we'll say not of your script, but of the, of the finished cinematic favorite moment in it. Oh man. Favorite moment in the cinematic. I'll give you a couple of, it's going to be too hard to, I'll give you a couple of like moments that I really love. I love the, the disarming of the lightsaber, catching it, like pulling mm -hmm. it with the force, your master catches it and then cuts off the arm of your opponent. I just think that's like, you don't get to see a lot of fun interplay with people a lot, like to see like working together in a lightsaber fight is I think really cool and really fun. Uh, there is a shot. There's like an ECU on Malgus's face. That's like right up on his eyes that I, every time I'm like, mm -hmm. that looks so good. Like yeah. ILM just slayed this shot. It looks beautiful. And then, to be honest with you, the first thing that hits you anytime, I mean, the first thing that hit me the first time watching it was the music to hear those like themes that have meant so much to you your whole life 
kind of scoring something that you worked on is pretty impactful. It really is the air that Star Wars needs to breathe to work. Like that mm. music is so crucial. And when that like that little very specifically Anakin's dark deeds that right mm-hmm. at it, I just looked over at the whole room and I was like, we did that? Dude. Like this is amazing. I can only imagine. Yeah. All right, well, let's keep talking about things you like, but move on into this segment that we haven't done in a long time. The major weapons test is imminent. Test. You may fire when ready. Solid bumper, right? (laughs) Fun. (laughs) Solid bumper. (laughs) We haven't done this in so long. So it's a little lightning round. We do three parts. Favorite things, either or, and would you rather. Okay. Would you rather follows the usual, you know, imagine like the the dumb teenager version where both options have a cool element, but both are also crappy or both also totally suck, whatever. Okay. So there's, there's going to be a little conflict there. So prepare your brain for that. Ready. Favorite things. Maybe this will be easy. Maybe it'll be hard. Maybe you feel an obligation to say one or the other based on what you've written. Who is your favorite Sith? My favorite Sith? Yeah. My favorite Sith. I mean, it's gotta be Darth Vader. Done. Easy. All right. OG, the man in black with the black helmet. I mean, he is the the pillar in which all of these things are modeled and created after. He's the greatest villain in cinema history. Darth Vader. Easy. Bam. Nice. All right. Um, That being said, either or, your preference, Jedi or Sith? Jedi. All right. Easy. (laughs) Lightning. Easy. Jedi. I mean, I I just don't really view power and control as something that I am desiring. Yeah. Like I am hardly a Zen guy, right? I've got, I've got enough anxiety <laughs> to probably <laughs> yeah. fuel, to fuel a small village. <laughs> so if you yeah. can't tell by my, my need to fill dead air with just talking. Uh, for me, that Zen approach is, a, is something I would desire, something that I would love to be able to, to practice in my real life. I do my best at it every day, but for sure, Jedi, I just think that they care about, people they care about the galaxy and while yes they might have some some problematic points of view at certain times in the saga as a whole i think it's pretty clear that we're supposed to root for them i would agree it's like Mm -hmm. we're all jedi we're all the light side and the world is palpatine manipulating (laughs) us yeah (laughs) i mean is the world a dumpster fire right now (laughs) why did something happen What is something going on right now? It's easier to list the things that aren't happening. But that shit ain't the truth. (laughs) Truth is... Oh, boy. You are the weak. (laughs) And I am the tyranny of evil men. Thank the Maker, a Pulp Fiction podcast. (laughs) Now we're talking. Should we start over? (laughs) Hit record. That's bonus content. Anytime. All right. uh, We have three choices here for Would You Rather. Dudes, do you have a preference, Nick? Mm. I love the sweatpants and shorts one. We'll do that. Okay. So either you get to train with Yoda, but you always have to wear sweatpants and the training's happening on Mustafar. Or you get to be an X-Wing pilot. You're part of the trench run attack on the Death Star. You get to fire the kill shot on the Death Star. But every time you go to Hoth, you're on a mission, you're training, whatever, you have to wear shorts. It's like your home world. Like you live on Hoth. I live on yeah. Hoth. So yeah. now, okay. So you're like, you're, you're stationed with, with Master Yoda on Mustafar wearing sweats okay. or, or you get off work and go home to Hoth, but you have to wear shorts. There's no other, you don't have, 
no other option for clothing. Okay. On yeah. I, I, this is, first of all, fantastic question. Thanks to the panel for the incredible <laughs> question. Uh, so I can only process this through my real life experiences. Now I can tell you that before I was writing and directing in Los Angeles for a living, I, I did tour and do comedy on cruise ships. <laughs> so the only reason I bring that up is because uh, I wore a hoodie every day in Bermuda <laughs> nice. and the Bahamas. I just, I couldn't, I wore jeans and a hoodie. I just couldn't bring myself to wear tropical wear. But then I think about folks that like live in Canada who like live in like Calgary and they just rock like denim shorts, like to the store. <laughs> yeah, so there's yeah. a part of me that feels like if I was living that hoth life, like I could just be a flip flops and shorts guy. Like w- once you get comfortable enough with, it, you're like, Oh, it's a brisk day. It's a little nice out <laughs> on hot today. I think I'm going to bust out the shorts and the flip flops. So I feel like I would want to get the kill shot on the death star and rock the shorts on hoth. That's how it worked. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it would be like, you know, in keeping with people in Canada that wear denim shorts to the store in the middle of the winter, <laughs> yes. everyone knows you're a local. There's something exactly. good about that. It's like, like people show up to tour, you know, the abandoned rebel base on Hoth mm-hmm. and you're strolling by with your groceries and they're like, oh, that guy must live here. Exactly. <laughs> cool. like, I, yeah. Or when like someone comes to visit and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. And you're like, you get used to it. <laughs> you get to yeah. have like a cool, like, you know how it is just like nothing, but just like veins and frostbite up my leg, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would, I would do that. I, I'll rock the shorts on Hoth for sure. Sick. All right. Let's wrap it up. Is there anything other, not that this isn't huge enough, but is there anything else you have going on or coming up that you want to plug before we get out of here? Oh, I mean, I can talk about some personal projects. I just finished a film uh, that I directed called That's Our Time. We haven't released a trailer yet, but it stars uh, Marky Richardson from Dear White People on Netflix, if either of you have kind of tuned into that show. He's an incredible actor. And then his co-star is Deborah Wilson from Jedi Fallen Order and Mad TV fame for any 90s kids out there. Nice. That I'm super stoked on. Don't get me wrong. Like working on Star Wars is like that was it's been the crowning achievement of my professional life. But like personal projects in a way are more what I kind of plug into and tune into at any given time. Like that's what I want to be. I want to be a director and and write scripts and direct the movies, the scripts that I wrote. So whenever I'm working on a personal project like that, that's always kind of my, my baby. And I get really excited for it to kind of come out into the world. And I'm super proud of it. I think it's, it's pretty wild. It's a, it's a weird sci-fi. It's a little Coen Brothers Z. It's a little David Finchery. It's weird. It's, it's definitely a quirky, weird thing. And I'm excited for people to check it out. And uh, yeah, that would be the big thing. And then I've got a couple of other things that I've written and directed that are coming out here in the next couple of months for different IPs that I can't talk about, but nothing for star Wars, nothing, nothing that exciting yet, but hopefully soon. Well, if people want to keep up with you and um, be in the know when that stuff drops, where can they follow you and the podcast on social media? Uh, you can follow me at Alex underscore Bacchus on Twitter or at Alex Bacchus on Instagram. If you want to check out the podcast, it's uh, Black Series Rebels. Nick's been a guest. You're all welcome to come on. We don't talk about exclusively Star Wars anymore. Now we kind of break down different films and we talk about movie news and we're, we're a little just a little broader now. We, we'd been doing that Star Wars only show for about five years and we were ready to kind of switch it up. So still same vibe, still same thing. Just now we talk about all the stuff that we're stoked on, not just specifically Star Wars. Nice. I have a little thing on Friday, 
the 25th, my good friend Ryan Mendez, friend of the pod, he was on one of our early episodes. I think he did the Last Jedi episode, right? Yeah. With us. Ryan Mendez of Yellow Card fame. Of, yes, uh, he was the lead guitarist in Yellow Card. Uh, he and I have been working on some music together since the band broke up. So almost five years of writing and recording this stuff together. We have a project called Jetta. <laughs> See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Hey. And uh, it is nothing like what fans of Yellow Card listen to or would expect to hear from us. It is six to eight minute long ambient EDM tracks that we've been putting together for half a decade now. So we have a full length album that we are nearly finished mixing and mastering. No plan or idea of when that will actually be out. But prior to working on the full length, we recorded two songs um, and we're finally releasing those songs to the world. So this Friday, we're officially releasing, you know, on streaming our, our first song we, we ever made together. It's called Dividing Pair. Uh, so you can find us on starting Friday, wherever you, you stream your music. Just look for Jetta, J-E-D-H-A. And our first song, Dividing Pair, will be out on Friday. We're pretty excited. Um, and then we'll be releasing a second song and a remix as a little EP. So a little three song EP will be fully out on April 1st. But this Friday, check it out. See what you think. It's it's very different, <laughs> but we're really excited for the world to hear it. So check it out on Friday. Guaranteed not to hit the same neurons in your brain that Ocean Avenue hit. Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. What did we say? Remember, you were. <laughs> remember how you felt. You're a different person now, <laughs> Alex. When you were talking about all that, I, I was going to jump in and say that's why I write ambiguous uh, ambient uh, electronica now because <laughs> I'm not trying to capture the feeling. I'm just kind of doing something new. So listen, man. Every time I listen to a song, it needs to make me feel like I have bleached hair and I'm a junior in high school. <laughs> like, I, I, but a lot of priorities for you, gentlemen. <laughs> well, Jetta dividing pair is not going to do that for oh, you, Alex. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> and l- unless, unless you were, had bleached hair and you were in high school in like the mid-90s going to raves, then maybe. Mm. <laughs> if you, listener of this podcast, want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine's at William Ryan Key. And all my social media is at Nick Bayside. And please listen to the Radio Radio Show. Episode 34 is currently out right now. Alex, thank you so much. This has been super fun. No, man. It was, it was, I'm stoked to be here, guys. Thank you so much. Like, you know, I'm always stoked to talk about Star Wars with people that actually care about it. It's very fun. It's been a vibey conversation. <laughs> all the right vibes. Agreed. All right, well, let's get out of here. Patrons, thanks for hanging out with us. If you are listening and you want to be a patron of this podcast, you want to support this podcast and help it continue to be possible, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod is where you can go to do that. And we will be all in the same room next week. Yes, we will. The day before the Galactic Star Cruiser recording. We'll be there with Mike from Hondo Supply and uh, Sarah and Steven from Princess and Scoundrel podcast. Those two are found everywhere you get podcasts as well. Follow those folks. And we'll see you in another part of the galaxy in a week. Alex, thanks again for being here, bud. Thanks, boys. Until next week, may the Force be with you. 